First of all, they say it takes a great man to admit he made an error, but I make so many a day, it's not great at all, it's easy. <laughs> it takes practice. Um, <clears throat> this morning I wrote on the Facebook page about the scriptures, and uh, the image that popped out at me and stuck in my brain was, um, if you throw enough stuff on the wall, something will stick. So I went and looked it up on Google and found out it was a reference to spaghetti. I didn't know that. And apparently, um, they used to throw spaghetti up on the ceiling, and if it stuck, they knew it was done. Um, but applying it to ourselves, you know, if you throw enough ideas on the wall, something's going to stick and something will connect. And today's scriptures, to me, is throwing a whole bunch of spaghetti on the wall or the ceiling. Uh, we go back to Abraham, the father of faith, promises made to him. There's references to the Davidic line, and we uh, traipse through that, and we come to the point where Jesus is brought into the world, but then there are problems, and we go to Matthew, um, there's marital issues coming up, because uh, why is she pregnant? And I had nothing to do with it, Joseph asks, and he's truly perplexed, and he's ready to dump Mary, just get rid of her. Uh, but to do it quietly because he was a good, 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 good man. And then the dream happens and, and he's led to accept her as his wife and move forward. Now that's, uh, <laughs> that's a big acceptance because of a dream. Um, I mean, how many of us would be so moved by a dream or like a, a, um, a thought that jumps into our mind and, and kind of solves all the issues? I mean, how many of us if uh, we were dating someone and she got pregnant and we knew we had never had any relations with her, we'd just go through with it and uh, take a great love, a great man, it seems to me. But this is biblical, and these stories about dreams and God speaking through dreams and angels coming and revealing what should be done, what could be done, are, they're rampant all through the scriptures. But then we get this story from Luke. And Luke is the only one of the evangelists who tell a story about Jesus um, between his birth and when he begins public ministry, because that's the space that we know nothing about Jesus except this one story. And um, of course, one can always ask, did it happen? Did it happen exactly as it said? And it may be. It's a good story. But it may also be um, a story that is stating some important things for us to appreciate about Joseph and Mary and also about Jesus. It's curious that he's lost for three days since we are looking forward to those three special days between Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and Easter. In fact, that's a phrase whenever you hear it, the three days, in three days, that it relates immediately to that Paschal mystery. But what is powerful about this, it seems to me, is that this teenage boy Jesus at 12 has a deep and profound sense of his connection to his heavenly father. This is extraordinary, you know. I realize these are different times and probably maturity hit a kid at 10 in those days, I don't know. But look at your own teenage sons and grandsons and daughters um, how confused. I mean, many people spend thousands and thousands and wreak up huge debts, go through college, and they still don't know what they want to do with their life. 
You ask him, you know, what do you want to be? What do you want to, I don't know, I haven't figured it out, you know. Um, but Jesus at 12 is in that temple for three days, sitting among learned scholars of the law. And he is asking questions that penetrate so deeply that everybody, every teacher is amazed. This brilliant little boy, and he seems to know God in profound ways. And then his foster father, Joseph, and his mother discover him there, and they express their anxiety. They don't ridicule him. They don't hit him. They don't, they don't say awful things, but they just say, son, why have you done this to us? And they share their anxious feelings that they have had, their desperate feelings. And he simply refers them to his relationship with his father. Uh, with a, a, a simple confidence and a, a, just a profound sense of his unity with the Father. And then this gospel ends kind of intriguingly. They didn't understand, but they left. They took him home, and he was obedient to them, obedient to them and to his Father, his Heavenly Father. You know... Um, it's, it's, it's a kind of a complex story, but it really is quite simple. And if we were to compare it to today, you know, uh, and we wonder why, uh, why the state of affairs for the world is, is so confusing. Um, I, was, I don't know why. She jumped into my head. Um, um, not Marilyn Monroe, but who was the Knight of the Iguana? What's her name? Uh, who is it, uh, uh, the actress, The Night of the Iguana? Come on, Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor. Thank you, Joseph. Thank you. That's because we're celebrating his feast day, so he can teach us this. I think she was married nine times. And as a kid, I was stunned at that because I grew up in a good Catholic home and went to Catholic school and learned about all this stuff about divorce. And, and they were very rare. I had uh, two aunts who were divorced in different families, on my mom's side and dad's side, and, and that was shocking. That was stunning. And then to hear, even as a kid, that she had nine husbands. And I don't know if she had children, I don't remember that, and I don't know how many, but let's say she did. Let's just make one up in her first marriage. And eight marriages later, this kid has now how many sets of parents and foster grand, I mean grandparents and foster grandparents? Uh, minimal 18, would it be, you know, 18? No, it'd be more than that. It would be uh, four for uh, each, uh, um, or two extra for each husband, and you get it, a lot. And what would that kid go through? What would that kid go through? How do you relate to all of that? And maybe you say, that doesn't really have any connection because we're just talking about Joseph and Mary, but this story already is perplexing. This is his stepfather, it's not his blood father, and he has a relationship with a heavenly father, and somehow this Jesus is peaceful with it all. He's peaceful with his relationship to his parents on earth and his father in heaven. And not only is he peaceful, in obedience, he walks his way that's going to take him to that point on the cross. 
and it's going to be salvific and redemptive and loving and, and teaching and, and lead us all to be able to open ourselves to that cross. Yesterday, someone came up to me, as they do on Sundays always, with uh, an enormous amount of blessings of religious articles and brought me this cross. And whenever somebody brings a cross to me to bless, I always try to make the connection to us and our relationship to that cross because it isn't just this thing, this cross that's looking at Jesus on the cross, but what does that cross mean to us? And I liken it to the way that Jesus responds today, peacefully, peacefully. He sees all of his connections and is able to relate to them, be obedient to them, walk through them, and offer them to us. So, on this feast of St. Joseph that was yesterday, but we celebrate today, Joseph, uh, not a whole bunch is said about him. Very little is said in the scriptures. I'll bet you there's not uh, 50 words or 50 mentions in any way, anyway. And yet, um, what a role he had to be the foster father of Jesus. What a role he had to accept the disturbing and confusing marital issues before he even got married. And what an disturbing and anxious, according to the scriptures, anxious experience to lose your son and uh, to console your wife who is heartbroken and super anxious at the possibility that they would not find their son. And who of us have experienced similar things, probably everybody, similar things, things that brought great pain and anxiety and frustration and fear. And yet, Joseph was open to the movement of the Spirit of God in his life through a dream. Through a dream, he was able to let God in. And through a dream, he was able to allow his fears and anxiety to be lessened, to be eradicated, to find peace. I think there's many things that Joseph is meant to be for us and to teach us. But I think perhaps the simplest and most direct thing is simply to be open to God's movement in our lives, to let his spirit teach us, whether it be through dreams or through our prayer, or through our ordinary experiences of life, or even through our anxieties and our fears, that we would dare, like Joseph, to turn to God, to open, and to ask him to lead us in the way.